March is Women's History Month, and it's the perfect time to honor and celebrate some notable women in Johnson County who have made their mark during the decades. On this episode, hear from two county employees with expertise on Johnson County history. They'll tell us some of the stories of significant Johnson County women and the impacts they have made. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JoCo On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thank you for joining JoCo On The Go. I'm your host, Jody Hansen, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Women's History Month has its history going back to when the president proclaimed the week beginning March 7th, 1982 as Women's History Week. Since 1995, presidents have issued proclamations designating March as Women's History Month. These proclamations celebrate the contributions women have made to the United States and recognize the specific achievements they've made over the course of American history in a variety of fields. Today, we have two Johnson County history experts to talk to us about some of the great women in history, past and present. Andrew Gustafson is the curator of interpretation for the Johnson County Museum. We also have Gerald Hay, a longtime member of Johnson County's Public Information Office, who I would call a treasure trove of JoCo history. Thanks to both of you for being here today. Thanks so much. welcome. Andrew, let's start with you. I understand there is a woman of note who helped start the Johnson County Museum, where you work, which celebrates a milestone anniversary this year. So can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So this year is the 55th anniversary of the Johnson County Museum. So pretty exciting for us. Um, and a person uh, I think you know worth noting is Marguerite Barkley. In the early years of what became Johnson County Museum, there were lots of women involved um, in leadership and preserving history of the county, but she really stands out. Um, she has a long um, lineage in Johnson County going back to the 1860s and 1870s when her ancestors arrived here. But in the 1930s, she got involved with the Shawnee Mission Indian Historical Society um, and was involved in that group for a long time. And over the years, that group sort of changed and shifted focus. And by the 1960s, they were raising money for a new building uh, for what would become the Johnson County Museum in 1967. And for a long time after that, I think about 15 years, she served as chairwoman of the board um, and was really active in promoting and preserving um, Johnson County history and getting people interested in the, in the history of the county um, and really just bettering this place that she lived in um, for the future. And it's also worth noting, I think really interesting that her husband, John Barkley, uh, was a driving force behind what would become JCPRD, the Parks and Rec District, um, and helped establish Shawnee Mission Park and Antioch Park. So uh, a really powerful couple and Marguerite certainly holds her own um, in the history of the county's organizations. So. Wow, we are so lucky to have those two as a as a as a couple that were here. And I know uh, we're talking about women, but Gerald, I know you you know a lot about uh, John Barkley. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, you know he was also the Congressional Medal of Honor winner from uh, World War One. He's a Missouri guy, but uh, we we claim him uh, <laughs> a lot in Johnson County. So yeah power couple of their time. That's right. <laughs> That's <really> interesting. <laughs> um, Gerald, I know you have done some research on the topic of notable women in Johnson County history, quite a bit of research. So a lot to talk about there. Let's start with our board of county commissioners. If you can talk about the makeup of women on our board in the past and then today. Okay. Well, you know, 
What's unique about this board, this is, a, you know, we have uh, four women members, a majority of the board. That has not occurred in, in, since the uh, 1990s. Back then, they had five commissioners, and four of them were women. Uh, uh, Bruce Craig was, was the uh, lone male on the board for about five years, if I remember correctly. But, the, you know, the first woman to be elected as a commissioner was uh, Jonah Lingle. And she was uh, basically, you know, she was uh, served, let's see, let me get my notes real quick. In 1982. And uh, basically uh, what was unique, she was also the first woman mayor in Wenexa and served, I believe, 10 years, eight to 10 years. And she became a county commissioner and served for 20 years. And she was also elected the first board chairperson, you know, the year after she was elected. And she was re-elected, uh, we was chosen uh, chairman five times, I believe. But uh, what was different back then at the chairman position was appointed within the board. It was not elected like it is now. That didn't change until the, uh, the charter was approved in 2000. And Annabeth Serloff, who was a county commissioner for 10 years prior to that, was elected our first woman chairperson. She served until 2011. And, you know, that position style had, uh, is maintained by Ed Eigler. And so that, that's some good history on them. I know we've got, we've only had about 12 women serve on the board is that correct you know, 12 uh basically they represent 10 percent of the uh the number of commissioners who have served there's been like 160 commissioners altogether elected since the first commission was seated in 1857 and so some women like sue weltner susie wolf uh, you mentioned john lingle and annabeth serbow there's uh janet leek uh, Dolores Furtado, Elaine Becker's Braun, and Joan Bankston. So uh, you would really consider those real trailblazers um, that sort of open doors for what we have today as a board with with four women on it. Um, Becky Fast is in the first district. Charlotte O'Hara is in district three. Janae Hanslick is district four, and then district six is Shirley Allenbrand, who is also our vice chair. So. Nice to see these women uh, getting positions of leadership and serving our county in that way. I'm wondering, Andrew or Gerald, if you want to talk about women who have held other leadership positions in government on all levels and sort of where you see the, the impacts there. Well, I can go first if you want to. Uh, back in 1982, the county uh, go uh, government went from a uh, county commission to county administrator uh, you know, role. And basically, the county administrator was appointed or hired by the uh, county commission. Since then, since that 40-year period, we've had seven positions like that. The county administration uh, position would change to, after the charter, to a county manager position. And Penny Postal Ferguson is our first woman county manager. And, uh, you know, she's uh, and basically she started off as the assistant county manager back in 2010. What was unique about that, the first assistant county manager was uh, Bernice Bolinski, who was basically joined the county in 2005. So Penny basically replaced 
uh, Venice and, uh, and Bessie, and now she is the county manager, the first one in Johnson County history. And I think that's, you know, it's great to have her as our county manager. And we also appreciate uh, the women who have served other leadership uh, roles within our organization, department heads, uh, both past and present, uh, and other leadership roles in our organization. Um, Andrew, anything else to share about women serving in government? Uh, Gerald is really, as you said, the treasure trove there, especially when it comes to Johnson County government. So. Okay. Well, you know, if we go to the, uh, the next level of government, we're talking about city governments. And back in 1890, Edgerton uh, elected the first woman mayor of the, uh, I guess that'd be the 19th century, yes. And uh, an all-woman council and a police judge. But uh, they only served for like six months because they got upset with the rules that were in place at the time about women uh, serving in leadership. And basically, they were replaced by a uh, election that basically put uh, all men back in you know that position. But was you know you know the Nineteenth Amendment was uh, approved in 1920. From 1920 to present, back in the 20th century, it would take over 50 years for the next woman mayor to be elected in Johnson County, and that was uh, Margaret Jordan back in uh, 1971. Who became the mayor for one term in Leadwood? Jo uh, Jonah Lingle Falter was the first woman in Lenexa. And when Jonah Lingle was becoming mayor, Margaret Jordan became the first woman district attorney. And so that, that, that was just kind of like a musical chairs routine back then. And it was interesting that, uh, you know, Leadwood, you know, you know mayor. You know, Peggy Dunn has been serving over 20 years in that city. And it's, it's nice for, I think, the, pu the public to see, um, you know, women in those positions, especially maybe younger girls or young women that maybe are thinking about politics. You know, the more you see that happening, uh, maybe the better you think your own chances would be. So those are some great stories there. We might come back to that in a little bit. Um, Andrew, I'm going to switch courses just a little bit. I know the Johnson County Museum, as you know, recently launched an exhibit about the history of redlining in Johnson County. Uh, so a lot of good history there. But specifically to, you know, when we're talking about uh, women in history, what role have women in Johnson County played in social justice or civil rights efforts? Yeah, they've really played leadership positions and boots on the ground um, for making real change in Johnson County as a community. So the exhibit redlined cities, suburbs and segregation opened at the end of January and it's up through January of 2023. So a lot of opportunity to engage there. And just some of the stories you'll see from Johnson County's perspective there um, relate back to um, a few individuals. So Ruth Schechter um, is a really fascinating person. Um, she was a Jewish woman. She moved to Fairway in the 1950s um, and was very involved in civil rights, um, equal and affordable housing, uh, women's rights, and, and more um, in the community. And she served in local, regional, statewide, even national <clears throat> excuse me, leadership positions. She was president of the National Association of Human Rights. She was a Kansas commissioner on civil rights, the first woman chair of the Plain State Region for the Anti-Defamation League. She was a president of the Shawnee Mission Housing Council. So a lot of uh, organizations that she was involved in, including actually the Kansas Advocacy Council on Civil Rights. And that was an organization that was very involved in the fight for fair housing. And in 1970 was um, very helpful in passing the Kansas Fair Housing Act. So um, the other thing that she got involved in is... Um, 
uh, Olathe uh, had an urban renewal project and grouped in a neighborhood nearby their historic black community known as Fairview. Um, and a lot of the residents there were going to lose their homes um, through demolition. And she created a project called HERE, uh, Homes Rehabilitation. And she would come in um, with assessors and figure out what, what things needed to be fixed in the home so that they wouldn't have to be demolished, but could be brought up to code. Um, so just uh, some really amazing things. Um, when she uh, was at the end of her career, she said, civil rights, that's been my life. Um, so she died in 2018 at the age of 96, a very full life of work on behalf of her community. And I think a couple other people to mention, um, Corinthian Nutter, this is a story we tell a lot at the museum. Uh, she was an educator, um, but in the 1930s and 1940s, when she started out teaching, she was limited um, to all black schools. She was black herself. Um, and she taught at the Walker School in South Park, which is part of Merriam today. And South Park had two schools, one for white students and one for black students, and had built a brand new facility using taxpayer money, but only let uh, white students attend there. And so um, parents got involved and there was a student walkout, about 40 students, black students walked out of this very unequal facility. And uh, she supported the students. And that meant that for about the next year, the full school year, uh, she was teaching in church basements and in, in parents' living rooms. Um, there were fundraisers, uh, bake sales and fish fry sales um, to raise salary for her because she wasn't being paid by the school district. Um, and she testified before the Kansas Supreme Court in this court case. Um, it was called Webb versus School District Number 90. Uh, it was a desegregation case. And she said, schools shouldn't be for color, they should be for children. Um, and I think that's such a powerful quote. Um, and ultimately that case did lead to the integration of the South Park School. All students went to that brand new school and even though it was integrated, she was not hired back in that district. She went on to teach in Olathe at the All Black Lincoln School for another several years um, through 1954. Um, and she's been honored by the NAACP, the American Association of Women, several educational organizations. Uh, she passed in the early 2000s uh, at the age of 97. And I'll, I'll point out one more. Uh, I, I just find this topic so fascinating. In relation to the South Park um, School um, uh, uh, events. Um, Esther Brown, she described herself, and I love this, as a housewife with a conscience. Um, she saw something happening in her community and got involved. She wasn't a leader. She wasn't an educator or somebody involved directly in the situation, but she saw something um, unfair, unequal in her community and got involved. Um, and so she helped raise funds for Corinthian Nutter and the other educators um, for the Black students. And she uh, was letter writing, going door to door, getting uh, money to send to the NAACP to get involved in that case for legal funds. Um, and she was a Jewish woman herself, and she met with some pretty stiff resistance to what she was doing, uh, was called lots of nasty names, um, and there were several other things um, that happened in that community uh, against what they were doing. But, uh, you know, she was very instrumental in helping to desegregate that school, and ultimately that led to the desegregation of the Shawnee, uh, Shawnee Mission Rural uh, High School, which is north today. So somebody who saw something and got involved, you know, how to, how to better their community, even though it didn't personally affect her, she had no children. So um, some just really incredible stories there. Um, the exhibit is full of those types of stories. It's also very difficult content and very heavy content, but there are some uplifting things um, that you can come away with um, coming to that exhibit. So. Those are fascinating stories. Thank you for sharing those. I'm sure there's so many more. And yeah. as you were talking about that, the one thought that I, something I thought of was Johnson County Library. I don't know all the details, but wasn't that a group of women volunteers who kind of started what today is our Johnson County Library? It just so yes. many examples like that. 
It was. And then that era, you know, um, the post-war suburbanization era, people were making community out of what had been farm fields um, before. So um, suddenly you had need for PTAs, you had needs for a libraries um, organization, you had needs for museums and things. And so, um, and it, fire departments and police departments as well were volunteer at times. So um, it was a time for people to see what the community needed and come together in that regard. So yeah, it was a great connection. That's great. And, you know, you just said, um, law enforcement. And so I'd, I'd like to take the conversation there. And Gerald, I know you've got some information on this. Uh, so we have a history of women in law enforcement uh, dating back early, early years. And um, people might not know uh, the story behind one of our most popular attractions in Johnson County, which is Deanna Rose in Overland Park. That's not just the name of a place to go with your family. There's a deeper story there. So talk us about, talk to us about some of that. Yeah, the, you know, there's been a couple of uh, benchmarks in uh, law enforcement that uh, Deanna Rose was basically a, uh, one of the first women in the Overland Park uh, Police Department, and she was uh, 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 she was killed in 1985, uh, basically during a traffic stop. Uh, the person uh, basically got in the car and ran over her, and she died, like I think, five days later, and she's only 26 years old. And she was the first woman police uh, officer in the history of the Overland Park Department and in the state of county, I mean, state of Kansas, to be killed in the line of duty. And, you know, that year, you know, the Deanna Rose uh, Farmstead for Children basically was renamed in her honor. And, and their milestone is basically was, you know, the first woman police chief in Johnson County was Ellen Ranson from Lenexa. And she, uh, you know, basically she retired. I mean, she served for, I think, 21 years as police chief, but she was with the department going from her ranks up into the police chief for 38 years. And she retired in 2012 and immediately no, it was basically uh, when the Casey, uh, Kansas, basically police department needed an interim police chief. She served in that capacity for about a year and was the first uh, woman police chief in Kansas City, Kansas police history. Uh, I think she's retired now, but uh, just recently, in fact, uh, you know, earlier this year, the Lenexa police department hired its first. I mean, his second police chief, uh, her name is Dawn Layman, and she's been, uh, I think, assumed her duties in February. So, you know, there's, there's still, they're still very active in law enforcement. So Dawn Layman was the second woman to serve as Lenexa police chief, you said, and then um, Ellen Hansen was the first woman police chief in Johnson County history. Also in Johnson County, yes. Interesting. And then you had a, I know you know something about the first woman who was elected sheriff in Kansas. So I know that's getting out of Johnson County, but um, when was that? Oh, that was, uh, that was Mabel Chase. And she was elected for one term in Kiowa County. And she served from uh, 1926 to 1928. And uh, what was it need uh, is believed that she is the first woman sheriff elected in the nation there's two women sheriffs prior to her in Texas and Tennessee, but they were appointed. They were not elected. So uh, Mabel Chase basically earns her little notch in history. 
That's, that's interesting. So, um, just uh, we're getting close to wrapping up. Uh, we could probably talk about uh, amazing women in history for a lot longer, but um, each one of you, is there, do you each want to point out maybe one woman we haven't talked about? Anyone else that you feel like had a, a, a strong impact in Johnson County, either past or present? I would uh, go with you know, basically Trish Moore. Trish Moore was basically uh, started with the county in 1975. And she was hired to run a department. It called the Department of Resources at the time. And it was now the Department of Aging and uh, Human Services. She was a one-woman show with one desk and a small office in the courthouse. And she immediately made an impact in setting up a department. She set up her first multi-services centers. She started Best Times, which uh, you know, basically got my passion. You have a special connection to that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she started it in 1982, and basically it had an outreach of like 2,000, and it was it was a god awful looking newspaper. But uh, you know, she tried. But now it's basically a publication that reaches 80,000 plus, and uh, you know, with uh, with full color and whole nine yards. And five women editors, there's five women editors ahead of me. So Trish set it up, had five women, you know, basically did, and here I, here I came. So they were, they were trailblazers for you, opening the door oh, yeah. for you. <laughs> they led the way. Yes. Well, we're glad to have them, and we're glad to have you in that position. And um, really, if you look at the county government now, we've had women in leadership roles. We've had women who, who led corrections we had women who led libraries. We had women who led park and rec. We have currently have women running the museums. We have uh, women running our wastewater. We basically have women who are in charge of our emergency management and communications. So they're still, you know, they're still in leadership. Yeah, a lot of lot of women to celebrate uh, present in addition to the ones that we've been talking about uh, from our past. Um, Andrew, anything to wrap up with? And I also, I was hoping you could let us know where people could get more information if they want to keep learning about um, notable women in Johnson County's history. Yeah, sure. So um, Gerald mentioned the 19th Amendment centennial that happened back in 2020. Um, and the museum had put together a digital exhibit you can still find on our website. If you go to jocomuseum.org and go to learn, you'll find one about the 19th Amendment. And you can find a lot more information about uh, women's rights and also women in um, politics and other leadership positions in the county there. You can also go onto our social media, uh, Instagram or Facebook and search the hashtag Joko Changemaker. Uh, and you can find a, a list of men and women, but lots of women we've highlighted um, who have been involved in different, different aspects of Johnson County's history. And then of course, every day um, you can come and tour the Becoming Johnson County exhibit, our main exhibit and the redlined exhibit we mentioned uh, where there's lots of history and you can access that history from home at jocohistory.org. Um, and you can uh, read our blog posts there, um, go back and uh, look at historic photographs and newspaper coverage and things. The Squire is there. So lots of ways to access Johnson County history, including women's history. Those are great resources. Lots of options for people who want to continue uh, celebrating Women's History Month. And then, you know, you can also check out All those year. resources anytime. <laughs> it doesn't right. have to be in March. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, well, Gerald and Andrew, thank you both so much for being here. I think we learned a lot today and got the chance to celebrate um, some Johnson County notable women from our past and those uh, still with us and, and leading today. So thank you both for being here. Uh, thanks for listening and happy, happy Women's History Month to all the women who are benefiting our community each and every day. Thanks so much and have a great rest of your day. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JocoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jocogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.